sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Tuesday, September 29th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, with me. The candle burner, burning it at both ends, trying to help get us money and put the fun and functional sports content. And, Kev, boy, did we have a Monday night football game last night where most people think this could be a preview of the AFC championship game. And, Kevin, if it is, the Baltimore Ravens still have work to do because the Kansas City Chiefs went in there 134-20. Somehow this game stayed under the number by that Mm. book that we were talking about yesterday although it didn't you know start slow and open up if anything it was the reverse but for me kev here's the headline for this game for me Mm. we a lot of times when we are talking about games kev and some other teams right we talk about that they have all the elements to the offense that they can answer the different questions posed by the defense we lauded it when we saw cam newton add that passing game in a patriots game we talk about it with the tennessee titans and their ability for ryan Tannehill and derrick henry to beat you let me tell you something kev patty mahomes and the chiefs offense they have the answers to any question you may ask and i think that is the biggest takeaway from me you know we, we talk about a fantasy herd sometimes. This is like an elite version of a fantasy herd when you have Travis Kelsey at tight end, three wide receivers where Sammy Watkins is known as the slow one at 4.3 for a 40 time, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the backfield adding this element, Andy Reid calling him like Brian Westbrook. What are defenses going to do? Usually it's a defense posing questions and an offense having to answer them Patty Mahomes has all the answers everywhere on the field, and he knows how to answer whatever question you pose. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to try and play from ahead. I don't even know if that's a legitimate answer. And I mean, they are the best offense in the league, unquestionably. The, the whole Russ, whatever. But like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. I know Russ is off to a great year. Russ right now is the MVP favorite. He should be. Mahomes the best quarterback in football. And you 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 just watch the game, like the confidence that he walks around that field with is undeniable. Yeah. Like it, he looks like it's year 10. Like he like the the absolute sureness that he has in everything he does. Like he threw a touchdown pass that Miko Hardman dropped, and he was just almost laughing to himself, like, ah, I don't have another 40 yard touchdown. It's all right, we'll yeah. run back. No problem. Like, I already got a couple under the belt in this game. And, I mean, you look through it, like, you know, because you always use the word fantasy herd, right? Yeah. But, like, if you're playing in a points per reception fantasy format. Five you targets. Double, <laughs> you got double digits from Kelsey, Hardman, Watkins, Hill, Edwards. Mahomes was the top quarterback of the week. What? Yeah. And that was with Sherman and a left tackle scoring touchdowns. And against the defense that had the number one scoring average in the NFL. Like, this is a defense that is respected, Kev, around the league. And honestly, it should be. Yeah. And that's the thing the confidence that comes. 
Yep. It's the confidence. I agree with you, Kev, that comes from having all the answers, right? He knows that you can't defend all five of them. It's hysterical. Do whatever you want. You know how Bill Belichick we talk about makes you play left-handed? Go ahead. My fourth hand is a dominant left hand. You know what I mean? And then there were even, Kev, as we welcome on our radio audience from around the country, including Al West on the Mightier 1090, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And then honestly, there are times when like on a big third down, when Baltimore brings the heat, he just rolls out and can run for the first down also. Like, that's another mm-hmm. answer here in this offense. And I'll tell you what, I'd be confident. I'll be cool, calm, and collected. I'd be okay down 24 nothing in an AFC championship game if I knew I had all the answers, Kev. Yeah, I mean, that was a point that I, I was making on the show yesterday. What do you, how many points if you were back in the Ravens yesterday laying three in the hook? Did you have to be up to feel confident? And unfortunately, yeah. you had a 3 nothing lead, and that was it. And... When you look right at, at this team, you, you know, you'd like to think that you could make it harder on them. And one of the ways they might have been able to make it harder on the Chiefs was retroactively going back and not having all these garbage hires and someone hiring Eric Bieniemy. I mean, my goodness, I have been screaming about this now for multiple years, and I still can't get over it that this dude does not have a head coaching yeah. job in this league. I mean, at this point, he might as well just make everybody pay. The Chiefs figure out how to make him the highest-paid coordinator in the history of football and just leave him there and just keep embarrassing teams. I mean, he – like, and think about this, Danny, actually, that touchdown to Eric Fisher. Like, that's on the two-yard yeah. line. That's a two-point yeah. conversion. That's a big goal to go, like, conversion play. They didn't need that play. No. They could have handed it off to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, no problem. I mean, and they're like, ah, empty the tool bag. The tool yeah. bag is The tool bag is endless. You won't believe how far down this thing goes. That's the funny the, part. The underhook yeah. softball pitch to Anthony Sherman? Yeah. Pray. Yeah. Pray. The, what else the Miko Hardman at quarterback flipping it to Mahomes on an end around who then throws it to Clyde Edwards. They were toying. Wheel. They were toying. They with the Baltimore Ravens. They literally right. used the left tackle play. They were using crazy end arounds. They were having fun out there against the number one defense in football, Kev. And I honestly believe that, and this may sound you know, over the top, Kev, I honestly believe they think they may play the Ravens again. I believe they were purposely putting things like that on tape so the Ravens have to consider it. And so they have to think of it because they know what the derivative is off of that play, maybe for the playoffs. So maybe when Bill mm-hmm. Belichick is looking, they, I think, are purposely putting that on tape for future notice. It is absolutely incredible. When we come back, though, Kev, We also have to talk about the Baltimore side of this, right? Because Patty Mahomes threw 260 and three touchdowns in the first half, is joking with how many he's talking to, left tackles and fullbacks. But it was a different story in Baltimore. We got to talk about that side. We will do that when the early line continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid, Dane and Kevin. And, you know, we spent some time, rightfully so, Kev, talking about this Chiefs offense and if there are any answers. You know what I mean? And and, and I'm going to say the answer is no until I am proven otherwise on that question. But I do want to ask you about Baltimore, and I want to ask it in the same vein, Kev, because is there an answer still to – 
handle Baltimore and Lamar. I think it's not easy. You have to get up early, right? You have to get up early on them. You have to kind of force them out of their ridiculous, amazing right-handed running attack that's everybody from Lamar Jackson to even Gus Edwards, who was able to rip off some runs yesterday, right? But, and maybe this is not the right comparison here, but do you remember, Kev, when the Patriots played the Seahawks and how impressed you were with the Patriots' loss and how you were like, yeah. wait a second, Cam Newton will be able to sling it if need mm-hmm. be, if that's the game they are in, if those are the questions the defense poses, right? Yeah. I believe, and I know I'm not trying to throw hate to Lamar at all, right? But I believe that the Ravens, if asked those questions still do not have consistent answers to them. Now, it's they're not going to be in that situation a lot, in my opinion, mm, right? right? And and Lamar shows that he can make some throws, but he overthrew Mark Andrews, he overthrew Hollywood Brown on plays that should be touchdowns from the pocket. Um, and if they're in this situation, is that the kryptonite for Lamar? You know, it, it is funny, right? Um, but the caveat that you apply, it reminds me of like an old LeBron argument where people are like, oh, well, who do you want? With the game on the line, down right. three. And people are like, I don't know. I'd like to have the game over before then, right? Sure, I'd so like to like, be oh, up by seven. <laughs> right, and that's the thing with, like, Lamar. is like most times the game's over in the fourth quarter. hasn't yes. even started yet. But to be fair, odds are you're going to have games where you're going to have to try and play from behind, right? I mean, Lamar's only has, like, four or five losses in his career as a starter anyway, right? Um, but if, if you take a look at this, you know, from this game, it's easy to look at it and be like, oh, they just can't play from behind. They absolutely just, but they had the ball down seven. Like, they mm-hmm. had a chance to tie this thing up. What's interesting is, Dane, so they've now played two straight regular seasons in a row, and both times they were down 17 at the half. Both mm-hmm. times. So yeah. I just wonder if, there, if there's something about the matchup that allows the, the Chiefs to go out there and get the better of them to start football games, but... You look at the game as well, and they had their opportunities. Mark Andrews did drop a touchdown. Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson did miss Hollywood for one deep. And, you know, against the Chiefs, when they're rolling in the way that they were yesterday, you can't leave those kind of points on the board. You just can't. I think what becomes super interesting now is the Ravens' upcoming schedule. And I hate to look too far ahead. But the next two games are at Washington and home versus Cincy. They're 13.5-point favorites to Washington. They yeah. might be 14-point favorites to Cincy. Week 6, they travel to Philly. Lord knows what that looks like. <laughs> Lord knows what Philly looks like going into that game. I certainly don't. But the stretch that follows that, Dane, and they'll still be, we know regardless, they'll be favored against Philly. Oh, yeah. The stretch that follows that, right, is for a lot of people, going to determine what they believe of this football team. Home versus Pittsburgh, they hit the bye, they go to Indy, they go to New England, home versus Tennessee, and at Pittsburgh. Five consecutive games against teams that I think you and I, and maybe I'll just speak for myself here, believe are on the tier right below the Chiefs and the Ravens. Though after yesterday, people maybe want to put the Chiefs to their own tier. And maybe they're figuring out what to do with the Ravens. Maybe the Ravens exist on tier two alone. (laughs) Maybe they've come down to the rest of these teams. But that's a five-week run with a bye-week sandwiched in there, so six weeks with a bye, where they play 
teams that you would say, oh, they'll see them. Really, the only one that they're missing is Buffalo, right, for right. a lot of people in I that agree. stretch run there. What does that look like? Is that four and one? Is it two and three? And that is going to think, I think, determine the perception for a lot of people on Baltimore when we show up to the postseason. I completely agree with you, okay? And remember, Lamar Jackson goes 15 of 28, 97 yards through the air, okay? Um, There are three teams, in my opinion. So I saw what it looked like because the Chiefs have the potential to run away and hide, right? And this is what I'm saying. Like, I don't think Lamar and the Ravens will be in that situation much, right? In the AFC, I know Kansas City can do that to them. And I have questions if Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee can do that. Right. Um, And then I would like to see how they respond. You mentioned Tennessee and Pittsburgh on the horizon for this Baltimore Ravens team and offense and Lamar. Don't get me wrong. Lamar is amazing. Right. But in this context, I believe there are still certain questions where he does not have the consistent answer. And that is the path to beating the Baltimore Ravens. You know, what is good, though, is we didn't see any big time injuries in Monday night football, at least. Right. So these teams do move on. But we did get, you know, updates on some big time injuries from around the league in week three. It wasn't kind of the big time names of Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey like we had in week two. But there are definitely some important skill position players people that are on fantasy rosters that we have to talk about you know we'll put up the graphic now we talked about some of them in philadelphia your squad remember dallas goddard and deshaun jackson in chicago we have Tariq cohen who goes down with the acl in seattle we had chris carson they say it's a knee sprain and it's not huge but they also have jamal adams um with a groin you know and some others you see russell gage in atlanta the receiver chris godwin in Tampa Bay, you know, which team, Kev, do you think is the most severely impacted by, uh, you know, kind of their injuries from week three? Which of these teams do you think do we need to look at as different, if at all? Remember, we did this with San Francisco and Denver last week. Which team do you think got hurt most? So it's Philly. I think it's Philly by a lot. Here's the issue that Philly's dealing with right now. So we talked about this yesterday. Five of the team's six top six pass catchers are not uh, are likely to not be available for them. So Alshon, Rieger, yeah. the first round pick, Goddard, yeah. Djax, and then Marquise Goodwin fits that description as well because he opted out due to COVID. Totally understand it, right? Now Greg Ward Jr. back up to the receiving leading uh, yeah. leaderboard right, of the Eagles. Although that's not new, that's how they closed out the season. Here's the difference, though. In order for the Eagles to go on that run with Greg Ward Jr. as wide receiver one, Wentz had to be near an MVP level, had to be special, had to be great. And they were still playing, by the way, during that stretch run, some bad teams. And they were still playing some tight games, okay? Wentz right now is not playing anywhere near that. He is playing poorly. So when he shows up to San Francisco on Sunday night with Ertz and then Miles Sanders as the running back, as the second most reliable pass catcher, and his now established rapport with Greg Ward Jr. as they welcome back the Niners, Kittle, Sherman, Debo, D. Ford, Weston Richburg. Like, it's just, this is a spot for the Eagles where... 
you know, and, and again, they're still banged up all over the offensive line. You have to, they're a different football team than the one that was promised months ago, than the one that was put forward on paper, than the one that was supposed to challenge for an AFC or an NFC East championship repeat. And they're getting six in the hook. And that number's been continually moving up. And assuming some other guys get ruled out, you said, you know, we always talk about watch for the hook, Dane. I don't yeah. know how much longer that thing sits there. No, I think you make a good point. And when you're talking about Greg Ward last year, remember at that point in time, and you know better than almost anybody, Kev, there was also like an ascending Dallas Goddard in play, right? Like he picked up a lot of the slack late last year and into the playoffs and you don't have him either. So I hear you. I am going to offer a different perspective on a team that I think may have gotten hurt by injuries. We'll talk about that when we come back. And then Kev, we'll also look it's waiver wire Tuesday, right? We got to look and see hmm. if you got injuries, if you've had bad performance and you're ready to cut bait on certain players, where may you pivot to, Kev? Well, I'll give you some ideas for that. I'll let you respond and tell me what you think are the best kind of claims on the waiver wire. We'll continue to look at injuries and the waiver wire and some new quarterbacks on teams when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, I'm Dr. David Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc. I spent 17 years on an NFL sideline with the Chargers as a head team position, and I can tell you teams don't want to tell you the whole story. That's where I come in. I know what they're trying to tell you and trying not to tell you. I know how to assess injuries and how it will impact players and teams that week. Come check out ProFootballDoc.com. You can't make a bet or set a fantasy lineup without coming to consult with us at ProFootballDoc.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here on to the grid. This is the early line, Dane Martinez, and of course, my man, the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. We, in fact, also welcome our radio audience back in from around the country, including the mightier 1090. If you're out late in the gas lamp district, it don't matter. You're still waking up early with us. You know, Kev, you mentioned Philly, and yeah, the fact that, you know, we I want to ask you about Greg Ward as a waiver wire pickup again is, you know, I think testament yeah. to that. Let me offer another squad, and for me, is the Seattle Seahawks. And the reason I posit Seattle is for a couple of reasons. One is Seattle's 3-0. and And people are starting to believe like they could be the Super Bowl representative, right? So I think they're almost like a higher leverage team to have injuries. And, and, and Carson... Carson was going as running back nine in fantasy. I know that we're talking about let Russ cook, right, and how they're being driven by all that, but I do still believe the threat of the run game is necessary, and I wonder about a drop-off to Carlos Hyde. You know, Carson has had injuries in the past, and we've been talking about the elements of the offense, and I think Carson is very important for that Seattle offense. And if you know, on the screen also, we had it before, Jamal Adams, who we have talked about, Kev, is very integral mm -hmm. to that Seattle defense, right? And so I think those are very 
very key cogs. You know, when we talk about some of the Eagles, and don't get me wrong, they are banged up. With the Eagles, I think it's almost quantity. And with the Seahawks, I think it's almost quality in terms of the role they play. And I think the expectations for Seattle right now, at least, um, as they stand, are a little bit higher than for Philadelphia. So, like, if you look at the national marquee, right, it's like, uh uh-oh, the Eagles are, um, I mean, the Seahawks are amazing. They're undefeated. Russ, MVP. But now they have to deal with this. So I'm interested by that. But, Kev, if you are a fantasy mouth, go ahead, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, yeah, just on on the Seattle side of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, you know, Philly's also got their top two corners out. They're three, sure. five off. Sure. Whatever. Philly's a disaster. I really don't even want to talk about that team. Uh, when it comes to the Seahawks, though, I don't really know if they need the threat of the run game because like, what's the defense going to do? Oh, yeah, we're going to sell out to stop the pass. What the hell are you doing if you're not doing that now? What are you doing hmm. if you're not doing that right now? Are you kidding me? Are you watching this team? Like, he's, just, he's throwing five touchdowns a game. Like, this is fake. So... Like, at the end of the day, if a team's like, oh, well, now we don't have to worry about Chris Carson because it's only Carlos Hyde, then, like, bless him. And as far as the Jamal Adams thing, now obviously they, they need Jamal Adams. The one thing that I wonder here is the Seahawks have now given up the thir- the second most passing yards in the history of the league for three weeks. Only mm-hmm. last year's Miami Dolphins were worse. And a lot of people, I think, are you know looking at this Seattle defense. It's terrible. Like That's, I think, how a lot of people are viewing the Seattle defense. But I think game script has a lot to do with that. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's, okay. exactly, it's just like the idea that, uh, you know, Dak throws for 472, but right. two picks, like I think they got a fumble out of them. Like all you have to do, I remember that, you know, a couple years back with the Chiefs when their defense was viewed as terrible. They just had to make timely right. plays. They just had to make timely plays, and they did that. And if you're Seattle – that's all you have to do. The, who cares about yardage anyway? Yardage is like, look, it's fine. But, like, what, are you, what is the end result of these drives? And are we up the whole time? You know, what kind of, as you said, game script is the opponent being forced into by what yeah. Russ is doing on that side of the football. So I think it's a situation where, from a props perspective, yes, we can continue to attack the Seattle defense because well, all my pass catchers are going to be in a positive game script for production. But big picture Seattle, I'm going to hesitate when we start comparing them side by side with a lot of teams to say, oh, well, they have the worst defense of the bunch. I'm not sure if that's the case just yet. I agree with you. I think that, you know, empty stats happen a lot, okay? If you remember, you know, I'm a Jets fan, right? Darrell Revis never had pass breakups or interceptions. Why? Because no one ever targeted him. You know, last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the best run defense in terms of yards per game in the NFL. Why? Because teams were throwing on them all the time, you know? So there's other reasons why some of those stats become true. I'm with you. I don't think Seattle is a bad defense. I think teams that are facing Seattle, I'll have to throw the ball to try to keep up with Russell Wilson on the other side. And, you know, it's not necessarily a, oh, my goodness, we don't have to deal with Chris Carson. Let's just play the pass. It's just that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It unlocks certain things in the scheme and the way it goes. You know, you always you hear coaches say a lot of times it's not about the yards. It's about the attempts, you know, and being able to still have that as the element of the offense, even though Russ is certainly cooking. So let's talk about it, though, Kev. I put together some waiver wire diamonds and fugazis. You know, I like to talk about the diamonds in the rough and some guys that are fugazis to forget about. And, you know, we have Carlos High here as one of the diamonds because, listen, this is the number two offense in football, Kev. 
right? So I want a piece of it regardless. If I can get the starting running back for the number two offense in football, I don't care if Russell is cooking or not. I will take a piece of that. We'll see how long, if at all, Chris Carson is out. But when I recorded this, you know, Carlos Hyde, I thought definitely. Justin Jefferson is interesting to me. And I want to talk to you about this one in this vein. Yeah, he put up good numbers last week, right? I think it was seven for 175, the touchdown. But for me, Kev, the key for why Jefferson, I believe, should be an ad is what you've talked about. The Minnesota Vikings defense is not what it has been, okay? Is younger, is giving up points. Look at what they have done, giving up a ton to Tennessee, giving up a ton to Green Bay, okay? And I believe now this game script for Minnesota is going to have to change. They used to be defensive teams that could run the ball, stay in games, right, back and forth. Now, if they are going to be down, I think they're going to be throwing it more, which is what allows a second wide receiver to be fantasy relevant. There's even quotes out there, beat reporters in Minnesota saying their only path to kind of hanging in games is to be a more aggressive, ass-happy offense. That bodes well for Jefferson, and it's a factor of their defense as well. Yeah, so I think considering that you know, Justin Jefferson is establishing himself as the clear number two and evidently on game day could be the number one. There's no reason right not to look into this guy and whether it be undervalued in the props market or throwing him on yeah. fantasy teams or, you know, he's a very cheap option in DFS still this week. The one thing that almost worries me, oddly, he had 175 yards. That's yeah. fantastic. There was only Big 75 place. there were only 75 more passing yards that went around. And that's the thing about this team where I still feel like I just don't know what they're doing. It, mm-hmm. Like how no, did Cousins get out attempted by Tannehill by 10 and Henry by the way had more carries still than than Cook. Like it's just, and again maybe it's, it's a ton more. You know I know what I'm saying but like you know it can be quick possessions whatever it might mm-hmm. be but this was kind of, I think, the issue for a lot of people on Thielen was, yeah, I get a number one, but do I, like, do I need a Minnesota Vikings number one? Like, what does that actually guarantee me? Week one, it looked great. Since then, right. not as much. Although Justin Jefferson, as I guess week three's number one, popped off and had a great game. I just, what is Kirk Cousins going to look like next week? Monster game. We've already talked about it. Monster game for this team as they go to Houston. Because the last time Kirk Cousins was on the road, he looked benchable. Looked right. benchable. And if they move to 0-4, I mean, I doubt it, but people start asking questions. They're just gonna. And what does then that mean for Justin Jefferson? So again, I, I, don't, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't want to go after this guy, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, 7 for 75 and a score, I think it's fair to say that you probably did just see his best game of the year. No, I think that is true, but that's the other point I'm making, and that's why I say why here. I'm not just giving people a fish. We're trying to teach them how to fish, and it's to your point, right? Like, what are the Vikings? What are they trying to do? I'm still trying to figure this out. What I'm saying is I believe that they, by necessity, will have to be more aggressive in the passing game, and I believe it's a function of the Minnesota Vikings defense being, you know, less strong than they have been in years past. I want to go to another one at the tight end market. You know, your tight end in Philly. Kev Dallas Goddard is a little bit banged up. There's others. Maybe you pivoted to, you know, Jordan Reed of all things when he was out there. Um, Dalton Schultz, Kev, is uh, 
you know, rostered in only 31% of leagues. And this is another thing. I think the moral here is consider the full offense, consider the full team. Dalton Schultz has more targets and catch-ups than Michael Gallup. And as we've talked about, this Dallas offense is the number one passing offense in the NFL. They have 50 yards a game more than number two, who are the Buffalo Bills, Kev. And this is my point. Remember we said this in the draft when they're going to go get CeeDee Lamb and all this? Are they going to still use Zeke and let him feed him? It doesn't look like they necessarily are. Dak is throwing for 500 yards. And so... People can eat in the passing game. People thought Blake Jarwin was going to be a breakout candidate before his injury. And Dalton Schultz has sort of inherited that production. He's available in two-thirds of leagues. And I think he is a consistent part of what is the biggest pass offense now in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, tight end's always a disaster, so you can't argue sure. against it. The idea, though, that they are going to be the top pass offense in the year is one that... I would pump the brakes on. They have now played two games in a row where they are drastically behind almost the entire game, it feels like. And that's how you get Dak Prescott throwing the ball 5,000 mm-hmm. times a game. I mean, last week he threw the ball 57 times on the heels of throwing the ball 47 times the week before. I'm not saying, like, this is a team that is that has a lot of offensive weapons and they can put up big numbers but even if you look at last week's box score like look at all of the guys that were involved like where did Cedric Wilson come from Michael Gallup led them in yards right CD Lamb I think disappointed some that might have started him or threw him in some DFS lineups I don't know where he finished within prop yardage uh probably kind of close in either direction so that's, and that's why Dallas against Cleveland is one of the most interesting games of the week next week, is can Dallas control a game? Can Dallas kind of play in front for a little bit? Because they couldn't even do that in week one when they traveled to the Rams. Yeah, that is interesting. I do think, though, this Dallas passing game is consistent. I mean, Dak Prescott was second in the NFL in passing last year. So this passing offense has been there. We'll talk more about the waiver and some new quarterbacks when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here on to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, those are some of the guys I think you can go to. I gave you a running back. I gave you a wide out. And we give you a tight end as well that you can go to on the waiver wire. But, you know, Kev, every league context is different. I try to give people that are maybe rostered in, you know, a third of leagues or less. But, you know, I saw other guys like Alan Lazard is rostered in less than half of leagues. You can go out and still get him. Um, You know, uh, your boy, Greg. Greg Ward Jr. is out there in leagues if you think that, you know, Philly is still going to be a match unit. Two other guys that I thought of, but I want to ask it to you in a different context, are Chicago Bears, Kev, honestly, because the Bears have announced that they are making the change. All right. They are going with that big Nick energy as the smile creeps on your face as we talk about it. They are making the pivot. You know what's ironic? They're 3-0, and all right, they're 3-0, and and they make this change. I want to ask you about the change. I know you are a supporter of it, but I want to ask it to you in this way. I am toying with the ideas of on the waiver wire, guys like Anthony Miller, 
who are rostered mm-hmm. in only 17% of leagues. And with Tariq Cohen being out, I think there's a universe where Corderell Patterson picks up some of that Swiss Army knife role for the Chicago Bears. Talk to me about the, what you expect with the Bears' offense now under Nick Foles, but without their weapon, Tariq Cohen. Yeah, you know, the thing is, it's hard to say, right? Because he he entered in a in a one way game script, right? I mean, yeah. they were down by Correct. by two scores. Yeah, there's to come a on lot back. that needed to happen for that team to you know kind of really get back into the mix. And I, I think you know, can Cordell Patterson be involved? Sure, wasn't targeted though last week. So it's in the run game. He actually already has the second most carries on the Bears behind only Montgomery. I to- totally get that, but I think if you're looking for him to come in for Cohen, who had six targets last week, I mm. think you're going to want to see him involved in that in that sure. pass game. I think you might have a week of patience there. Um, you know, Anthony Miller looked a little bit phased out of the rotation for a little bit to start the year. Is he now more comfortable with Foles? I mean, I think a lot of these guys are more comfortable with Foles because he's a better quarterback, period. He just is. He just is. Trubisky's terrible. We know that. His this, this team was up, it was 2 0. It was in the third quarter. They were like, yeah, all right, we've seen enough. This guy's terrible. I mean, that's like, you know, like they, they had no, enough. I'm with you. So I think the Bears, you know, for me, Dane, and a conversation that we had yesterday about that line against the Colts, I know that you're not in on the Bears. I think, and I know that you're also in on the Colts. So, you know, you seeing them laying points to Chicago on the road didn't catch you as surprised as it did me. Um, but that's just the spot there where it's also a very important game for the Bears. I, I am at a point in the year where I don't mind kind of looking ahead to schedules to okay. try and get a scope for like, okay, this game means this because this game means this. So after they play the Colts for the next five for the Bears, they're going to be dogs in. Get Bucks, tough. Rams, Saints at Tennessee. Uh, there's a, a game against Carolina in there as well. Like, so there's a, a tough stretch coming up for the Bears. But if you go four and zero to start a season, I'd love to know the stats on how many four and zero teams missed the playoffs. Probably not many. Probably yeah, not I think many. That number is probably pretty low. I'm holding an under eight wins for the Chicago Bears that I'm starting to sweat as well. I, I, I did, however, look at that tough patch of their schedule, and it gives me still, you know, a little bit of confidence. We shall see. You know, so Chicago has made the change. They are mm-hmm. going with Nick Foles. Uh, Kev, there is another team where the head coach is at least, you know, saying in front of a microphone that, you know, he's not there yet, but that there is a point where he would make the switch. And it's a quarterback that I think, I don't know how to describe it, but the best way for me to say it, Kev, is it feels like you have a soft spot in your heart for this guy. And it's Dwayne Haskins on the Washington football team. Ron Rivera yesterday had some things to see. You see it in the tweet right here. He said that the rest of the players in the offense, quote unquote, deserve better from their quarterback. Remember, he did throw three interceptions um, in their game on Sunday. And then also remember, and this is a key part, This is a new regime here in Washington, right? Ron Rivera, new head coach here. And we talk about it all the time when a new head coach kind of inherits the young quarterback. He's not tied to the hip with this guy. He's not necessarily invested in him as a previous coach or GM would be. So he's also saying, you know, he's our starter right now. But, quote, there is a cutoff point for me. Read the tea leaves on this one. Are we going to see Kyle Allen or even Alex Smith, you know, before Halloween? We shouldn't, but... Can't trust Ron Rivera. 
I mean, listen, man. First of all, you're tied for the division lead right now. So just count your lucky stars that that's the case. You're supposed to be a defensive head coach. You've given up 30 back-to-back weeks. Go look in the mirror. And what are you going to say? Oh, well, I don't got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Well, you got a lot more talent on the offensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. The only good skill player on this team is Terry McLaurin, and every week he produces. I get it. You want better from Haskins. But, can, but my goodness, can we get 16 starts under this guy's belt? I mean, Daniel Jones turns the ball over every single time he steps on the field. Sure and I feel does. Like we never have this conversation about him. I just feel I, I like I'm. I feel bad, but I'm. I feel I'm about to real start to turn the heat up here on Daniel Jones because I'm starting to get annoyed by all this. Sam Darnold's getting ran out of town. I got phone calls about Jalen Hurts starting games. Dwayne Haskins is getting the boot. Oh, and in comes Daniel Jones. Danny dies. It's because he's got a cute name, though. It's ridiculous, man. That's why. It's ridiculous. Like, does Dwayne Haskins have double-digit starts under his belt? Like, maybe? Uh, Like, like, maybe. Maybe. Maybe he got his 10th on Sunday. I think it's possible. I hear you. So we'll keep an eye out on that. It's so ridiculous, though. Like, what what value are you going to throw Kyle Allen in there? Alex Smith, bless him. One of the best stories in the league. What is that? Like, what are we doing? Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, Kev. It's not going to look better after week four. They've got the Baltimore Ravens coming off, off you know, coming off a loss. It's not going to look good. I think Haskins will turn the ball over again on Sunday, unfortunately. So we'll keep our eye on this one, you know. And obviously tomorrow, Kev, in the NFL, we'll have plenty to talk about. We'll look at some of the practice reports for injuries, yeah. right? And usually we'll see what games you want to kind of get early as we Watch for the hook with NFL lines in week four. Let's talk about, though, starting tomorrow also, the NBA Finals. So we want to talk about that because, listen, we 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 talked a little bit about the Celtics and the Nuggets, you know, and how these teams that won the Eastern and the Western Conference got there. Now, Kev, we got stuff to talk about for the finals, right? Like, we've got odds. We've got series prices. We've got exact scores of the series, how many games, that sort of stuff. I do want to ask you this. When I looked at it yesterday, the first time I saw it, the Heat were plus 290 in the series, Kev. Today, I stare at it, and they are plus 250. That means, if anything, that money is coming in on the dog side, on the Miami side. Talk to me about why you think that's where the money's going at this point. Is this just a value thing? As was plus 290 mm-hmm. where they initially said it a little too far? I also think, right, who's laying 370 on a series price, man? I mean, that's just really hard to do. My, again, yeah. Miami has lost as many games as the Lakers this postseason. It wasn't five five five, but it was four five one or four five six. Excuse me. So, right. th- you know, this is a team with the same exact postseason record. This is a team that has. It's not like they've kind of lucked out of the bracket, right? Like this is a team sure. that you know, they, the Indy. That's who you play four five, tight as can be. Then they play Milwaukee, the number one seed. Send them out, and then they were dogs against Boston. So this is a team that Miami has continually stepped up and answered the bell, and. Unlike Denver, right, it's not been in desperate fashion. It's been in dominant fashion by Miami. So a monster plus number on a group like that, I don't see why not. All right, let me ask you this because you said, you know, who's betting minus 370 on a series. I went back and checked. Last year, the Warriors were minus 300 against Toronto. 
This yeah. is a lot bigger than that. You know, this is a lot bigger than that at minus 370, I believe. So I wonder, you know, kind of if, if, if it's gotten carried away. We'll see if there is a correction yeah. coming in the next couple of days. Let me ask you this, though. Um, there's other ways to skin the cat, right? And we'll talk about game one specifically, the mm -hmm. total, the spread, that sort of thing. But, you know, I think these bets are interesting with series. We talk about them in, you know, earlier in the playoffs as well. How many games, Kev? How many games do you think this will go? Um, right now, a sweep is plus 420, five games plus 240, six games plus 230, seven games plus 255. The fact that five, six, and seven are all really, really close to me in terms mm -hmm. of the number of games, I think that speaks to, like, People can't really figure this one out. They think it could be like the fact that it could be the gentleman sweep and go seven is pretty much the same number, Kev. Yeah. Um, it, it's, look, it's interesting, man. I, I tend to think that the series will be done in five games with the Lakers really? winning four one. You like the gentleman sweep, Mike? I, and I've told you this uh, more so off air, but I don't really like giving. I, I know this is what we do. We make, but, but I don't really love giving like exact series predictions. Because especially in the bubble, it's just so difficult, man. Because yeah, it locks you the in Lakers, too much, right? the, the, but it's just the Lakers are going to be favored by five by five or more points in every single game, right? So at the end of the like, so they're right now just and it's posted. They're minus two hundred to win game number one, and that's going to be the number each and every game. So it's just so like I have to bake in a loss, right? I have to bake in mm. two losses. None of these games are going to Miami, so I, I tend to think that four one should be the favorite, but like. I, again, like if you think the Lakers swept him, I don't think that's disrespectful. Miami has no home games. If you think this thing goes seven, I don't think that's outrageous in the slightest. When you consider the way that the Lakers uh, and the Heat have both played this postseason, it very well could be tightly contested. You know, if you wanted to play the, the Heat at plus nine fifty, I totally get that. Like, I, I, I from a value perspective, so. I look at the series, the correct scores, and look, it's a lot of plus numbers out there. Maybe you, you, you throw two of them in the pocket and you leave it at that. But yeah. I, I do find it difficult to, with any conviction, attack this market. Okay, fair enough. I mean, and tomorrow, right, on the precipice of game one, that's, Kev, where I think we'll get even more of your thoughts on the side, on the total, maybe some prop bets as well. I'm going to be very mm -hmm. interested to see the way you think LeBron is going to approach it, okay? Because we've talked this before, right, Kev, right? The idea of, hey, will LeBron try to take over points? Will LeBron try to get people involved early on? You've been on his assists at times, so I'm very interested to see your thoughts because the Heat, I do believe, have the bodies that are uh, more uh, options to try to defend some of these stars on L.A. Let, uh, so there two things. I'll say this. Yeah. Uh, as we're getting ready for this series, and we'll be breaking it down more tomorrow. I saw, a, you know, people talking about the Miami Heat, and they're like, listen, I understand the Lakers got them both times in the regular season. There's a different Miami team. That's yeah. fair to say. Kendrick Nunn and Myers Leonard started both of those games. Iguodala, Jay Crowder, not on the team when those games happened. And Tyler Hero now feels like Tyler a different Hero, yeah. player than when those games were. So that's a fair point to make. And as far as, you know, handicapping the LeBron approach, I'm just going to throw this little nugget out there, Okay. A lot Please of do. people believe that LeBron will approach games with knowing historical context in mind. If this series goes five games, 
Over a five-game stretch, LeBron will need to average 13.4 assists per game to average a triple-double for the entirety Hmm. of the postseason. Now, that might sound ridiculous. It might sound arbitrary. And yes, there's nothing more important than just going out there and winning the title. Oh, but he's aware of it, I'm sure. But, but, (laughs) listen. Now, again, that's an astronomical number. He's going to have to have like a 20-assist game to even have a chance at that. But the assist prompts eight and a half. And Mm. in game one, that's already posted. And I just think LeBron going out there and giving it a go in game number one, seeing how many he can rack up, wouldn't rule it out. That's interesting. I'll ask you tomorrow if you like the the plus money that he'll be to just get a triple-double game by game, which could be interesting as well. We will talk more and come on back. We'll wrap up our number one when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line. Dane and Kevin. And, Kev, you know, we're talking about the NBA Finals, and that will tip off in earnest. Game one will be tomorrow. But there's other headline news to discuss in the NBA real quick. You know, we talk about the Lakers in L.A. The other L.A. team, the Clippers, made some news yesterday. Um, They're parting ways with head coach Doc Rivers. And this, you know, on both sides, right, creates an opening with the Clippers that could be seen as, you know, sought after. And it also puts Doc Rivers out there as a candidate, potentially, for some of the other, what, five, six, seven other open jobs in the NBA. But this was, was this a surprise to you, Kev? Oh, absolutely. The <laughs> Listen, man, the, the, the Clippers are flirting with it. This is a... This is a tough spot that this tough. They're they're in a dangerous spot. Is how I would mm-hmm. put it. Okay, you sent out the farm to make sure that Kawhi and Paul George would be on your team. I don't blame you. There's a lot of people I think that are kind of retroactively attacking them for some moves. Every single team in the league does what the Clippers did in order to bring Kawhi and Paul George in. To be fair, though, maybe they couldn't have given up one less pick to the OKC Thunder. Maybe they could have actually got real long-term commitments out of Kawhi and Paul George. Because here's the thing now. A lot of people believe that part of the reason they went there was excited to be coached by Doc. I don't think Doc... The thing is, you mentioned it, right? They mutually parted ways. I think Doc had a big part in that mutually, though, right? If I had to lean one direction, I think I might lean on Doc dipped. And that stands out to me. And... Kawhi and Paul George can be free agents at the end of this coming season. That's mm. is that an attractive job? Because if they leave, there's no picks right. left. I mean, it's a Vika Zubox team, like right. And, and my boy Lou Williams, right? It's almost right. like Doc in the longer term sees greener pastures out there, right? And sees better options. Maybe he thought this was great in the short term. They took their shot, right? But you mentioned the contracts of them. Maybe uh, for the medium and long term, there are other places out there that are better, Kev. 
You know, and that is going to be very interesting. We will now see both if where Doc winds up, if he goes to the TV booth and what the Clippers do in response. But when we come back, Kev, you know, listen, last night we crowned the Stanley Cup champion and we got another playoffs that are about to start. In hour number two, we look at the Major League Baseball playoff season. It is different than ever before. 16 teams, eight series to cover. And we'll do that in hour number two of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 